for which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience, in the which ye also walked sometime when ye lived in them. But now ye also put off all these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not one to another, seeing that ye put off the old man with his deeds, and have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge, after the image of him that created him, where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond nor free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies and kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And above all these things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also ye are called in one body, and be ye thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. I'd like to conclude with uh, verse number 17. Dear ones, the, the morning uh, message we, we heard of living on, on different planes, uh, the natural man and the spiritual man. And one can only go to the spiritual plane. He can't go as a natural man. He can't, he can't reside there. He can't live there. It's just like the, the, the only thing I could think of to describe this in, in something that we may be able to see with our own eyes is the different planes of, of aquatic creatures, those who live below the sea level and those who live above the sea level. There's completely two different worlds. And one cannot reside who is made for one to live in the other. There's no possible way. He would have to be recreated. He would have to be given a new life, something different. And he couldn't do that. So we are called to live on a spiritual plane, on a spiritual level. But it tells us here who lived that life. Who do we look to for that example? It says, if ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God and set your affection on things above not on things on the earth. Don't set your affection on things on the earth. Setting our affection on things on the earth shows us that we are living to the flesh, for the flesh, living a carnal life. The following chapter of what we read this morning in Corinthians talks about a carnal man. And we oftentimes would, would, would like to excuse our life when we read these words and we see, you know, Christ who is your life, when it talks about you are dead, your life is hid with Christ in God, and we are a little shamefacedness when we look at this, and it tells us mortify, put to death your members which are upon the earth. Put those things away. And we say, well, maybe I didn't put everything away. Yeah, but, you know, I'm just a, I'm a carnal Christian. He talk, Paul addresses carnality and he addresses them as perhaps as being just those who are weak. But dear ones, we have 
we have God who has created a law. He's given a law. It's his law. And that law cannot be a law if it is broken and allowed to be broken. Then it no longer is a law at all. Think about it. Can we break the laws of the land today? Break them and fully expect. We heard last night a beautiful message on, on, on grace, on mercy, on seeking out Christ and, and being empowered by him. He gives us the strength, the power, the, 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 the ability to live in a manner in which this flesh does not take any pleasure in. And that's why we have to mortify the flesh. Put it away. Put it aside. Because the law of God says that if you break my law, me, God, being God, who he is, he cannot dismiss that. If he did, he wouldn't be a lawgiver. He wouldn't be God. He wouldn't be holy. He wouldn't be just. And so we cannot look in our life, dismiss a sin as a weakness, as a moment of failure, as, as, a, as, a, as, as something that we can think that can be accepted by our Creator. God has given us a law, and with that law, we heard last night, I, 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 I love the, the thought of the power that was emphasized. Power. Power is given. Christ gives us power to be able to fulfill his law. You and I can't do that. We can't do that of ourselves. We need a new nature. Because you can't live in the flesh on this plane that we heard of this morning. You can't live in the flesh and please God. It's not possible. And so we need to mortify as we're talking. Mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth. Put to death. And he tells us, he's reminding us, you are dead. Can we claim that we are dead to ourself? Dead to myself. That means that the law of my flesh has been put, put, put aside. It has no power over me. Let's not say that's not possible. Because then we are saying that the Lord is calling us to do something that he cannot empower us to do. So if the Lord gives us himself, we see that he came as a man and he lived a life of perfection. And we are told that we have the mind, his mind, a mind of Christ. A mind of Christ is one of purity. A mind of Christ is one that doesn't, doesn't seek anything for itself. Nothing for self. Moses is considered as the meekest of men. Christ is the most selfless man that has ever walked this earth. 
There's nothing that he did that he did for himself. Let's think about that now. Let's think about our lives. Do you know that every, every engagement that we get into where there is strife, it comes from serving the flesh. It comes from, it comes from a desire to assert oneself. And things are escalated. And it goes on because we want to serve ourselves. And in serving ourselves, dear ones, we are not mortifying those things which are upon the earth. Solomon wrote the book of Ecclesiastes, and we look at those writings, and we see that he tried to live on the natural plane. He tried, he, he, he tried to attain as much knowledge as he could. And he said, you know, the books, there's no end to it. He tried to amass riches, wealth, power. He had everything. No contentment. He actually, he actually dreaded the thought that after me, his life is closing. He's done. It wasn't long. It wasn't long at all, but it's done. It's closing up. The, the end is approaching, and he's lamenting. Who is going to take all my wealth, the, the things that I have amassed, that I have, was able to put together to get? Now I'm going to leave it to someone. What are they going to do? They're going to squander it? What are they going to do with it? He's living on the natural plane. There's nothing, there's nothing, there's nothing there for him. He couldn't find any contentment being the richest of all men. Having knowledge. He tried to even live a religious life. He concluded that you, know, you become a lunatic, pretty much. It, no, it's only in Christ that we can find peace and contentment for the soul. And dear ones, the question for all of us is simply, do we want him? Because whatever we do in our life today, we are showing who we serve. Man was placed in the garden by his creator. And he was given a law. He was given a law. And he was deceived. And he disobeyed. And in doing so, dear ones, he plummeted from the spiritual plane into the plane that we spoke of the natural plane. And he lived there. That's when he tasted what it means. That, that, see, that's when lust came in. Before that, they didn't need to be clothed. They didn't, they didn't have a need for anything. They were living with Christ. Christ was with them daily, speaking to them, talking to them, communing with them. After that, it was all broken. Man needed a way back to him. And we heard that last night in the, in the sacrificial system that everything was being pointed back to Christ Jesus our Lord. That he was the answer for, for, for man. He, he who created man, man looked at him, heard his law, heard the commandment. He gave him life. 
He gave him everything, and he looks at him and says, no, I'm going to do it my way. You are taking something from me that is good for me. And he disobeyed. And that's when he found out he was naked. That's when strife began. Immediately, their children, murder took place. Cain slew his brother. Strife, weeds are growing in gardens. Things are happening that the world was never created like this. A curse came upon the earth. And Jesus Christ says, I am the way. I am the truth and I am the life. So dear ones, today... We have God's law. We have his word. And every heartbeat that we have is borrowed from God. He gives it to us. Are we going to, as he gives us our life, he gives us our heartbeat, our breath that we take, and he tells us, this is my law. Are we going to do what Adam did? See, we, we, we look at it as, well, what happened in that garden? They were, you know, we almost dismiss it as nothing possible that we could possibly ever do ourselves. And we may be doing it every day. The one who gives us our heartbeat and our life, who, and we look at him and say, no. That's not. You're taking something from me that is good for me. And that's what Solomon said. No. I want this. And I'm going to find that which I'm not finding with you. Why didn't he find it with Christ? Because he allowed his flesh to overrule, to overtake him, and he had to please the flesh. There is no contentment in Christ when we have not mortified the flesh. It will create within us everything. It will create dis disbelief. You know, we might think that uh, about doing something. If we, if, if we don't, let's not sin. See, we're forgetting that we have a heart, which is really, it's not our physical pump, where it pumps the, the blood that is so vital to every organ in our body to sustain us. When God speaks of the heart of man, he speaks about his will. He speaks about that which he gave the pinnacle of his creation, the choice to do whatever you want to do. He gave him his law, but he gave him a choice. What did Satan do with that choice? He looked at God... Created as the most beautiful of, 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 of creatures. Most beautiful and powerful creature ever created. And he looked at God and he had a problem. He doesn't want to worship the sun. He has a problem. And he wants to be worshipped. He goes, I want to be like his God. Isn't that what Adam, isn't that what he told Adam and Eve? You will be like God's. And man wants that. Man wants to be a God. Man wants to have some power. Man wants to have knowledge and wisdom and all those things. We get drunk with desire for that, for that. And in doing so, dear ones, we have to dismiss the law of God then to try to find that. Because that's not going to be found in him. And so if we don't have any contentment, because why? Because the flesh continues to to rage on and live and to make demands of us. It makes demands of us that we have to fulfill. You have to fulfill the fleshly desires. 
How is it that a, that, that, that a man is born? We talk about being born, we're born with the sin nature. Well, every child is created totally innocent, just like Adam and Eve were. Every child is born innocent. God never holds a child accountable for anything that it does. No, whenever he talks about accountability, he talks about the young man. And that age might have been different for me than it is for you and for you and so on. Those ages are going to be different. God knows, and I know, when I have reached the point where I know that I am accountable to God. And when I make the decision, we know a child at, at, at two years old, he says no to his mom and dad. How could he say no? How does he know to say no? How do they know? Mine, me, me. That's not sin, though. That's not sin. It's when you know that what you do for yourself, you are doing at the expense of someone else. That's sin. God says that love is the fulfillment of the law. Love would never seek its own. Love will never want to do for itself because love expresses itself in the things that it does for others. Jesus Christ, our Lord, our Savior, and our Redeemer, is love. And what he did, he never did for himself. There's not one thing that he did he did for himself. He did it for our good, for our benefit, for that which will be good for us. What do I do? Do I do something that will benefit you? Or am I stuck on doing that which benefits me? Brothers and sisters, it's not a blurry line. We make it blurry. We make it undistinguishable. We leave it to, well, it's, it's the intents of the heart. And the law is clear. It's clearly given. So that no man can err. You don't need to be a scholar to understand Jesus when he says, love your neighbor, love your God, 